Hello, and welcome to the Retirement Repair Shop. I'm your host, Mary Beth Franklin. This podcast series focuses on retirement challenges and ways to get your financial plans back on track. Today, and throughout this second season of the Retirement Repair Shop, we will be talking about the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on our lives, our economy, and our finances. With me today is Katherine Collinson. She's president of the Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies and is one of the leading voices in the retirement research arena. Catherine oversees all the research, publications, and outreach initiatives for the Nonprofit Center for Retirement Studies, including the annual Transamerica Retirement Survey, now in its 20th year. In 2018, Catherine was named an Influencer in Aging by PBS's Next Avenue. And I'm proud to say that in 2016, both Catherine and I were honored with a Hero Award from the Women's Institute for Secure Retirement for our efforts to improve retirement security among women. And that's our topic for today, women's retirement security, both before and after the COVID-19 pandemic. Women make up more than half of the U.S. population and control an estimated $22 trillion, yes, that's trillion with a T, in investable assets. Yet, most women still feel ignored or misunderstood when it comes to investment and financial advice. Catherine, welcome to the Retirement Repair Shop. I am delighted you took the time to talk with me today about what financial advisors can do to better attract, serve, and retain female clients, particularly during these uncertain times. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Please set the stage for our listeners. Why do women face different and in many ways more difficult challenges of saving for retirement than men? Well, Mary Beth, thank you for having me on the show. And women face unique challenges. Yet the reality is saving, investing, planning, and preparing for a financially secure retirement is difficult for many. It is a tall mountain to climb. And for women, it's an even taller mountain. We face unique circumstances. The the gender pay gap is alive and well. Lower pay leads to lower lifetime earnings and less ability to save and the growth of those savings over time. There are also some hidden costs as well. Women are more likely to work part-time than men, and part-time workers are less likely to be afforded retirement benefits in the workplace. That's another big example. Um, Women still are more likely to take time out of the workforce for parenting and caregiving. That reduces not only their lower lifetime earnings, but their lower lifetime savings. And um, we also have longer life expectancies, which means that we need to be saving and planning for even longer retirements. So like many other aspects of our lives, women have to learn to do more with less, right? Less savings stretched over a much longer life expectancy. Well, even before the pandemic and the resulting economic downturn, working women were less confident about their ability to achieve a comfortable retirement lifestyle than men. I know you have some hot off the presses statistics about that. Tell us about why women tend to be less confident. 
Uh, our, our most recent survey, which we conducted in April of 2020, so right as in the middle of temporary shutdowns, closures, the economy uh, taking a big downturn, we see that 19% of women uh, are very confident in their ability to achieve a comfortable lifestyle when they retirement. And interestingly, uh, as a researcher, this isn't that much lower than what we've seen in previous surveys. Um, however, um, what we see is how the, the less pay, the less savings, less emergency savings, it's just, it's just so much harder. And one of the really telling findings that we see in the survey work year in and year out is women in the workforce are more likely than men to cite uh, just getting by to cover basic living expenses as a major financial priority. Right. I noticed you sent me some highlights of that um, survey. And that despite all this turmoil and the the need to save for retirement, it seems that uh, both women and men, their top financial priority is not saving for retirement. It's paying off debt. Indeed. And we saw that before the pandemic and we're seeing that now. Debt is pervasive in our society and some kinds of debt are better than others, um, especially if it's low interest rate debt. Um, for example, student loans, going to college is an investment in our own human capital, our earning power. Um, but we see a high percentage saying that they're paying off credit card debt. And if that's high interest rate debt, that's a really big hole to dig out of. Uh, and people need help with that. Um, another interesting finding that we saw before and during the pandemic is a shift in priorities with uh, more workers, both women and men, citing building emergency savings as a priority. And as a retirement researcher, it pains me, we've actually seen fewer people indicating saving for retirement. But that's clearly a sign of the times and that people are thinking about their priorities and in, in getting them in, in order. I will add, uh, most of our lives are fairly complex and uh, women in particular could really use the help from financial advisors to sort all of this out, which bills we pay first, how we think about build, saving for the future, um, and balancing short-term needs. Well, certainly the pandemic has put a harsh spotlight on the lack of emergency savings that most Americans have, that people desperately needed these stimulus checks from the government when they lost their jobs because they had no place else to turn. So in a couple minutes, we'll talk about some of those basic building blocks of financial planning and why this is a great time to start working with a financial planner if you're not. But one more look at the effects of the pandemic and the recession on women particularly. Some reports suggest that women have been more adversely affected by the economic downturn because so many of the jobs that were lost were in retail and restaurants and hospitality industries that have typically a high percentage of female employees. Do you agree with that assessment? Well, our survey uh, that we conducted in April, so the pandemic, you know, the, the situation is still evolving. Our survey was conducted April 16th through 20th. It's a snapshot in time of uh, women and men who were either employed 
or recently unemployed or furloughed as a result of the pandemic. And we find that women and men have been similarly affected uh, in terms of job loss, layoffs, and some other things that aren't uh, spoken of as much, reduced hours and reduced pay. And with women already earning less and with less in the way of emergency savings, these impacts are that much more difficult for women to navigate through. So this is, they had a weaker base that it may be crumbling um, as a result of the pandemic. What about some of the longer term implications of the pandemic and um, just future retirement security as a result of this recession? What do you see? Um, the recession is still young. And uh, as you mentioned early on, we've been doing our retirement survey for 20 years. So we do, I do have some historical perspectives. And this pandemic and recession is like no other. But we can learn from it. Um, I'll start with the bright spot. Um, This pandemic, we're actually seeing a lot more relief programs, um, assistance in terms of unemployment insurance and benefits, um, uh, things like uh, here where I live in Los Angeles, a moratorium on evictions. Uh, Banks are doing as much as they can to help their customers. Uh, If they can't make their payment, defer their payments. We're seeing a lot more support than we've seen in prior recessions. But the reality is this is a tremendous setback for both women and men. And it's something that's really difficult to overcome. After, during and after the Great Recession, we surveyed people who had been unemployed or underemployed as a result of the recession. And we learned a couple of things. Um, Those who were able to be underemployed, working in some sort of job, uh, not their chosen profession, not necessarily commensurate with their skills and experience, but bringing in income, tended to fare better uh, than those who were completely unemployed. Um, They were less likely to dip into their retirement accounts, and they were more likely to find work once the economy picked back up. So that's interesting that people who um, took any job, uh, not necessarily in their field, you said were better off on two fronts. They've got some cash flow coming in and also were more likely to get hired when things picked up again, as opposed to someone who had a big break in employment. Yes. Yes. And of course, with the pandemic, you know, there's the whole additional layer of complexity that um, a a lot of the jobs out there, um, one might be putting their own health at risk. So you have to balance that as well. Um, But if you're not working and you're at home and you have an internet connection, there is no time like the present to be figuring out possible ways you can start earning income online. Right. Um, Having that plan B, basically, figuring out (laughs) now that we are in the worst of times, what can we do about it? Uh, We talked about what financial advisors can do to help. Um, I noticed there was one stat in your survey, and I found this astounding, that only 38% of women currently work with financial advisors. Now, on the flip side, I'm hearing from financial advisors that they have more work than they can handle. People are reaching out to financial advisors saying, 
I need help, where do I begin? Let's explore that. Um, first of all, um, how can financial advisors help particularly female clients and what should women do in searching out financial advisors? Okay. That is a great, great question. Um, Women are continue to be an underserved market among financial advisors. And that 38% of women, these are women who are in the workforce. They're either employed or recently laid off or furloughed. Um, these are working women with incomes or theoretically will hopefully very soon have incomes again. And... Um, for whatever reason, financial the, the, the connections are not being made. And for financial advisors, it's a tremendous opportunity. Um, many advisors are probably, to your point, their phones are probably ringing off the hook given the downturn in questions and even serving their existing client base and, and uh, women customers. But there's also this whole, you know, whole segment of the population that likely wants and needs an advisor and doesn't know where to turn. And one of the areas, and it, it seems so simple, and I know <laughs> easier said than done, is just basic grassroots networking. Uh, when advisors are working with clients, one thing that has become so important in the pandemic is opening up family conversations. Uh, individuals can be an economic entity, but our families are our support system. And our households are so important. And advisors just starting with family connections, if it is a daughter, a sister, a niece, and networking that way, chances are they need help. And they're already part of a bigger picture of a client that you're working with um, that, ha that you have not yet engaged with. So the, the benefits can be tremendous. Uh, and that's just basic networking. That's, that doesn't engage in, yeah, require advertising or anything else. That is just working your existing network of clients, ensuring that you're covering your bases with your existing clients and opening up avenues for new ones. Um, and chances are through those referrals, everybody knows somebody, a woman who is looking for advice, but isn't quite yet sure where to turn. And talk about the uh, the technology that we're all using these days, including on this podcast. People are using Zoom or Teams or, or similar sorts of platforms where they may not be in the same room, but they can still have a virtual face-to-face -face conversation. How is this working for the financial advising community and their clients and potential clients? Um, again, this is a tremendous opportunity to build relationships, get to know people. It's not the same as being in person. Uh, you know, when I was growing up and my grandparents live far away and with the phone, you know, long distance was the next best thing to being there. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, video conference is the next best thing to being there. And it's a wonderful way for advisors to engage with their clients. Of course, we live in, also live in a time where cybersecurity issues are greater than ever. So for advisors, it's really important, whatever platform you choose to work with, ensure it's secure and ensure that you will be protecting those private conversations that involve personally identifiable information. Very, very good point. You know, I was doing um, a virtual event several weeks ago with a prominent female financial advisor. 
And she said that she was home with four teenagers and, you know, some days were better than others. And she said, you know, if I'm home with all these teenagers, I'm sure a lot of my clients are too. And she had some high school age kids and a college student. And she sent out two separate emails to existing clients and saying, hey, have a high school student at home. Do they want to learn um, how to build a budget? I'm going to have a half hour Zoom meeting. Sign on if you're interested. And she said what was fascinating was she had 19 families sign up, but only 16 were clients. Three were friends of clients. What a great way to show your stuff in an unintimidating, you know, fun and informative um, virtual event that could result in new clients down the road. She, she also did one for the college students that I thought was fascinating. She said to them, um, okay, let's, let's assume you have graduated and what are some of the expenses you're going to have? And she went through them. They did a little worksheet of, you know, paying off student loan interest or, you know, a car payment or rent or food or Netflix and, and, you know, cable, whatever, and added it all up. And she said, well, based on what you told me, your first job is going to have to pay you $75,000 a year, or you're stuck at home with mom and dad. So it was this reality check to have these conversations that are very hard to have otherwise, and yet taking advantage of the lockdown and the virtual technology that allows us to communicate and maybe talk about things that were taboo before. Yeah, that is so true, and it, that, that's such an inspiring story. Now, the, the pandemic is so hard, and I a public health crisis and being worried about those that we love. But there is a silver lining that we're having conversations and sharing information that before the pandemic, there wasn't the urgency and people were just too busy to engage. Give me some examples. What are some of these um, tough conversations that perhaps we avoided in the past that we're finding time for now? Um, well, one is, and, and I, this kind of saddens me <laughs> to say this, um, talking about saving and investing and preparing for retirement. And we ask this survey, this question in the survey every year, and women are far less likely to say they frequently talk about it compared with men. In fact, this in the COVID survey, it was only about 13% of women. And we've got to raise this as a conversation because it's not only about our own individual financial security, it's our family's financial security and those that we love. Uh, and it encompasses anything from a personal savings shortfall and possible need for support Two, there may be other family members out there thinking that we'll be able to take care of them and we're not able to. Um, and that's one line of fun, it just basic setting expectations. Another conversation that is so important and increasingly important even before the pandemic, but now more so, is caregiving. Mm -hmm. um, uh, many of us will be called upon over the course of our adult lives to be a caregiver for an aging parent or loved one. And uh, our research finds that women and men are similarly uh, you know, called upon to be caregivers, but from the women's perspective, the time commitment is tremendous. So men may engage, but not with the level of time and hands-on care 
uh, that women are. And that time that we're taking to be caregivers is time away. The work is priceless, but it's time away from our ability to earn income and focus on our own livelihoods. Um, That's another really big family conversation. And it's not to say that women shouldn't be caregivers. That's not the case at all. But when a caregiving need arises, that it becomes a family conversation and that responsibilities can be more evenly distributed among family members. I think that's a a great point. And again, the idea of having a Zoom call with multiple adult siblings of how we're going to help with mom. This pandemic has certainly cast a very harsh spotlight on long-term care facilities. As you and I talked briefly earlier, it didn't matter whether you were in a luxury assisted living facility or in a low-income nursing home. The, The coronavirus pandemic was just ravaging this adult population, an older adult population. What do you think, when we finally get to the other end of this, conversations will be about planning for where we receive care, how we pay for it. What what hope do you have of the silver lining coming out of this discussion? Well, my first hope is that people start having those conversations right now. Um, as each day passes, we're getting a day older, and chances are we have a loved one who is getting closer to the point of needing care. And what we've seen in our research among retirees, relatively few have a concrete plan for long-term care if and when the need arises. And the the pandemic has made the decision-making process that much more difficult because, as as you mentioned, this virus doesn't discriminate, um, and it is pervasive, and it has disproportionately affected seniors and uh, senior care communities, be it the five-star assisted living or the Medicaid nursing home. Um, it's really scary. And even for people who are in those in in these places right now, um, you can be in a five-star you know, assisted living facility, but if you're in lockdown and, and not allowed to leave your little apartment, um, you're still in lockdown. It doesn't change the, the, your quality of life that much, especially if, as we know, um, these locations, family members are not allowed to come visit. Um, my, my uncle's in a, in a lovely community. Um, he's on the second floor and looks over a ravine. His, can't, his kids can't go stand outside his window and wave and smile. Yeah. And, and that's something that we, just the basic basic human interaction, uh, we have to think about what's going to be best for our family situation, our loved ones, and and even considering what's the possibility of bringing them back home. Mm -hmm. Well, long-term care is certainly a woman's issue in many ways because women tend to be the caregivers. Um, the hands-on caregivers. It also has a long-term impact on their ability to save for their future, as you've pointed out, if they have to reduce their their work hours or um, resign altogether for caregiving responsibility. That's money they're not earning and savings they're not putting away for the future. But the other part of that equation is because they tend to live longer and tend to outlive their spouses or they're divorced or they're never married, 
Um, they tend to be alone in old age and long-term care becomes a very personal issue. Uh, any suggestions of what women can do to focus on that eventuality and how to better prepare for it? Well, in one way, as women, we might be better positions to have the conversations because we've already more likely to have been caregivers in the first place. Um, and it's it's a reality check. Nobody likes to wake up in the morning saying, "I'm going to plan my long term care today." Um, that's just <laughs> that's just not you know, what we you know, how we envision the start of our day. Um, but these are conversations that we need to have right now, that we need to be pro- more proactive. And these are conversations that women can have among each other. A financial advisor can also help you know, guide the discussion with some of the key questions to be addressed uh, in terms of you know, expectations, um, wishes, as well as financial, uh, what the financial implications are. Um, And we've got to be creative about it because um, women are more vulnerable and and or more likely to end up in um, a nursing home than men, in part because we live longer um, and um, because we could potentially have uh, extended period of life, but not necessarily in great health. Um, years ago, I was my grandmother's caregiver, and it was so striking at the at the assisted living communities. It seemed like the ratio of women to men were probably uh, seven or eight to one. Wow! And it it really brought home that um, it's an everyone issue, but it's really a women's issue. And if we're proactive and think about what we want now, what we can envision, we're in a much better position to plan for it, to talk about it, and to financially prepare for it. I'm I'm going back to that statistic that we talked about that only 38% of the working women in this survey um, were working with financial advisors. Flip that around, 62% of them are not working with financial advisors. And yet, this is one, clearly a group who could use the help, can afford the help, um, are going to be around a long time as a client, and yet there's this disconnect. Um, what can financial advisors do to attract this group, this demographic group as clients and hold on to them? Um, uh- It's my own experience as a woman (laughs) in shopping for financial advisors. Uh, One of the things that's become so clear is, one, understanding women's needs and really getting to know uh, the woman client as a person, not making any assumptions, and especially not making any assumptions that women are looking at the world or the same way that men might be as we are looking at our lifestyles, our relationships, and older age. Uh, It's so important to know your customer and uh, and listen and understand what what they want and what they need. Another thing that we see in the research over and over, because we ask, what would motivate you <laughs> to learn more about saving and investing for retirement? And uh, for many women, it's a good starting point that's easier to understand and making it easier to understand in general. Explaining things on everyday terms 
one thing I've noticed in my research and my travels is women tend to have a less less of a tolerance level for technical jargon than mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. So one of the most important things that advisors can do is also just explain things in everyday language. Um, it isn't dumbing it down. It's actually distilling it into something that is understandable and actionable. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another place uh, that I think there's still a lot of work that can be done. Um, and building a trusted, a trusting relationship grounded on open communications. Um, just because a woman client may not be a retirement expert doesn't mean she's not interested in learning and doesn't mean that she doesn't care about the outcomes of uh, of the advice being given. Uh, she cares deeply, otherwise she would not be engaging in it in the first place. And I get the sense that when women are looking for financial advice, it goes beyond just investing advice. They're looking for a more holistic approach to their money. Would you agree with that? Um, I would. Yes, I would agree with that. And I uh, just looking at the overall research, women need more help with you know, just a broader, more holistic perspective, uh, given our life journeys. So some of it may seem pretty basic, just uh, budgeting and financial planning, uh, but also guiding women through making choices about life decisions. For example, whether to take time out of the workforce to, for parenting or maybe a way to work part-time uh, while parenting so that she can more easily ramp back up to full-time when when the kids are grown and she's ready to do so. Financial advisors can help with that conversation. Of course, uh, goal setting for retirement, estimating savings needs, uh, mapping out a savings and investing plan. Um, everybody needs help with that. Uh, women do, but men do as well. Um, and understanding all the eventualities and basic underlying assumptions so that we understand the possible range of outcomes. Uh, We aim for the best, but also are prepared for the worst. These are all things that financial advisors can assist with. And then lastly, the long-term care conversation. You know, it's sort of the, the invisible elephant in the room. It's something that we just cannot discuss enough. And um, the landscape keeps evolving and changing, which makes it that even more important for financial advisors to be engaging with their clients, especially women, because the plans are going to change, inevitably change as the landscape continues to, ch- to shift. Well, Catherine, you've given us a, um, a good roadmap, I think, for both um, financial advisors who want to work with more women clients and uh, potential women clients of things they need to think about. This is more than just investing. It may be advice on risk management, whether it's through insurance or some sort of guaranteed income in retirement, maybe with an annuity. There's lots of pieces to talk about. And I know with 20 years of retirement research under your belt, there's more than we could ever discuss in this podcast. Um, I know you have other resources that you can direct our audience to. Um, Where can they find more about women in retirement and how to access that information? Please visit our website, Trans America Center for Retirement Studies website at 
transamericacenter.org. We have our surveys and we have a special landing page dedicated to the topic of women in retirement. And it contains our survey work as well as fact sheets, tools, and educational resources. Well, that's the perfect note to end this conversation, Catherine. Thanks so much for being my guest today on the Retirement Repair Shop. I appreciate you sharing your insights and guidance on how advisors can help female clients during these very challenging times. But thanks for highlighting some of the silver linings from the pandemic. Thanks again. If you have a story you'd like to share about a retirement hurdle you're facing, or if you have a question that you'd like to ask one of our experts, contact us here at the Retirement Repair Shop. That's investmentnews.com slash repair shop. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher so you never miss an episode. A big thanks to Transamerica for making this episode possible. With a history that dates back more than 100 years, Transamerica is recognized as a leading provider of life insurance, retirement, and investment solutions, serving millions of customers throughout the United States. Recognizing the necessity of health and wellness during peak working life, Transamerica's dedicated professionals work to help people take the steps necessary to live better today so they can worry less about tomorrow. Transamerica serves nearly every customer segment, providing a broad range of quality life insurance and investment products, individual and group pension plans, as well as asset management services. For more information, please visit www.transamerica.com. Transamerica Resources, Inc. is an Aegon company and is affiliated with various companies, which include, but are not limited to, insurance companies and broker-dealers. Transamerica Resources, Inc. does not offer insurance products or securities. The information provided is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as insurance, securities, ERISA, tax, investment, legal, medical, or financial advice or guidance. Please consult your personal independent professionals for answers to your specific questions. Investments are subject to market risk, including the loss of principal. Investment strategies described may not be suitable for all investors and should not be construed as investment advice or recommendations for the purchase or sale of any security. Past performance does not guarantee future results.